This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and three-time Pro Bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. Certainly hope everyone enjoyed the break, and apparently... Drew Stanton is not quite done with his. Got Pauly Pinch Hitter on this edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Always good to have Calvisi in studio. We heard the voice of Ron Wolfland fresh off my annual physical. So this will be seven, maybe eight years in a row that I've won the testosterone count against Ron Wolfley. You can look it up. It's scoreboard right there. Doc Cool's office. It's up there. So I look forward to continuing my dominance in that area. What about... Kyle, though, I mean, where do we sit on this scoreboard? I mean, I would think, just looking at the two of you, that Kyle would one-up you, actually both of you. Well, Craig, I'm only picking those guys who are older than me, okay? So, you know, I know, I might be dumb, but I'm not stupid, okay? He's, he's, yeah, I would like to see this mythical thing they do. I, all the doctor's appointments, all the physicals I've ever had, they're not doing testosterone counts as far as I know. I don't. Uh, it's in the blood work. I don't know. They give it to us every year. They uh, give me whatever. the they give me the stats and numbers. I don't know. You're right. It's probably uh, it's probably created. It's probably a fiction figment of their imagination. For all I know, <laughs> who knows? Makes you feel good. Well, right. as we enter here week 14, it's certainly late for a bye week, but the Cardinals certainly in need of a checkup, if you will, Kyle, because we've got five games left, five game stretch and. Maybe not so much to play for as far as playoffs are concerned, but when you look at five games and who and who will not be here potentially next season, that's got to be the focus not only for the players, but the coaches as well. I think it's a a focus for the front office. The focus for every single person in that locker room has to be on this next game and getting a win. Look, I've, I've been in this situation more times than I would like to admit. Um, where the season's over, we've still got games to play, um, you know, playing for pride, trying to knock some teams off, trying to wreck other teams' playoff hopes. Um, but you don't want to get into a situation where you're experimenting too much, where guys in the locker room know, guys in the locker room understand. If coaches are playing guys that haven't earned the spot just to get a look, um, it, it's hard to sell that to me. It was hard to sell it to me when I was playing because it happened. There was times late in the season where we put a backup quarterback in to see what he could provide, knowing he wasn't our best option, knowing it wasn't giving us the best chance to win, and you lose the locker room. It's a hard sell to players that are doing everything they can, that have done the right thing the entire season, that have prepared their bodies, that have dug into the game plan. Um, And then if you're throwing somebody out there just to get film on them, just to see what they can provide while you're still selling out, you're doing everything you can do to win, um, it's it's a hard pill to swallow for those locker room guys, for guys like J.J. Watt, for guys like Zach Allen, for guys who have fought through injury, guys who have played through um, just about, you know, through all of the ups and all of the downs this season. And you're saying we're cashing it in. We're not 
uh, as an organization necessarily doing everything it takes to win. We just want to see what we have for next year. Um, you've got to continue to be a professional at every level of this organization and do what you can do to get this next win and finish this season on a high note. You know our saying in August during the preseason games, they may not count, but it matters. Talking about the games. Well, in December, when you're 4-8 and eight on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, they might not count towards the postseason playoff picture, but they definitely matter. If you're a Josh Jones, you're proving that maybe you're a worthy left tackle in this league. There are a lot of guys who have a lot of ball left to play, a lot left to prove to the front office, including, I would say, the starting quarterback. If he can regain his form that you saw the first half of last year when he was a legitimate MVP candidate, Momentum won't carry over, Craig, but confidence might. If you can regain that confidence and that bravado and that aggressiveness and the downfield passing attack and the accuracy on your deep ball, yeah, that might carry over into next year. To me, that's what matters most is Kyler Murray and getting him to where he was a year ago. MVP consideration, but you look at his numbers this year. Lowest completion percentage since his rookie year. Yards per attempt is a career low So for me, Kyle, it is figuring out what went wrong and getting Kyler Murray right, which means the offense gets right. No, you're exactly right. You know, I can't tell you how many times we've sat in this room and said this team only goes as far as Kyler Murray takes them. Um, Look, it doesn't matter how well the defense plays. It really doesn't matter how, how many skill players you put around him. With the ball in Kyler Murray's hands, magical things can happen, have happened in the past, and have happened for long stretches, but it hasn't happened this year. So, um, you know, it's on him as a professional, um, as an individual, to figure out what has happened, why his play, why his numbers have fallen off this year, and it's on the coaching staff. Um, you know, it's – look – you know, this team has seen injuries like probably it hasn't seen before. And it's it's nothing new necessarily in the National Football League. It happens to a lot of teams. A lot of teams do a much better job of adjusting and adapting and 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 scaling the game plan to it. But Kyler Murray is a generational type talent that can still take you out there regardless of what else is going on around him and get you wins and will this team to wins. And And we've seen it before. We've just got to get back to that point. How about the most recent hard knocks where DeAndre Hopkins looked into the camera to Kyle's point and said, we go as he goes, talking about Kyla Murray. That is job number one the rest of this season. Can he get back to that point? And there's no lack of incentive out there if you're Kyla Murray, whether it's the Pat P comments, whether it's a lot of the national analysts. I mean, there have been a lot of pointed barbs thrown his way. And so if you're looking for motivation, okay, the postseason might not be there, but if I'm Kyla Murray... I'm looking to shut up a lot of critics nationwide who see one little clip here or there and make these ridiculous sweeping conclusions and and have these opinions that too often are not rooted in fact. And so if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm trying to eliminate the noise and change the narrative. Well, one of those national talking heads, ESPN, NFL, and college football analyst Robert Griffin III joined the Dave Patch podcast recently and was asked what he's seen from Kyler Murray this season. I said this on Monday Night Countdown, and I truly believe this. Kyler is a very smart player. When we were in Mexico and he didn't play, I got to talk to him for about 10 minutes on the field. He understands, like, the perception that's out there about him, wants to clean that up. The the conversation then went to not trying to do too much. Kyler's been a winner his entire life. And you get this large amount of money. With that money comes expectations. And sometimes you can try to do too much. 
Got to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers if you are Kyler Murray. More from RG3 on where he sees Kyler can go and take this team and himself to the next level. Colt McCoy is Colt McCoy. If he goes out there and gets the ball out of his hands and works the offense, he can only take you so far. But if Kyler Murray does the same thing and gives you a couple of those just wow Kyler Murray plays every now and then, they're going to be a lot better football team with Kyler Murray at the helm. And that's kind of what we talked about. Just, you know, don't let the outside perception affect what you do on the inside. Don't try to convince everyone in the building that you're not this guy that they're telling you that you are on the outside. Go about your business. Be a good teammate. Work hard. Run the offense and get the ball to your playmakers. Much more with RG3 on episode 51 of the Day Patch Podcast. It's available right now to catch up on past episodes. Just follow the Day Patch Podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at PatchPod. You look or you listen to what RG3 had to say there, Paul, and then I go back to what you brought up earlier here as we got started, and that is the downfield passing game. Only one play of better than 40 or more yards through the air, and that was more of a catch and run yep. by Greg Dorch against the 49ers in Mexico City. But the the lack of a deep threat, there have been shots, but they just haven't connected. I mean, what's going on? Where has it gone, this downfield passing attack? Too many guys, when you ask them, honestly don't know. They're trying to ex- – is it these defensive coverages, the too high soft-shell coverages the Cardinals are getting now with DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown? They should be able to make that work. Now they just ran for a buck 81. You should be able to pull a defense out of that sort of coverage and make them pay and bring that safety down into the box. Where is it? You heard Colt McCoy, the reference to by RG3, and I totally agree. There's a ceiling on Colt McCoy. We get it. He's 36, and he doesn't have the skill set of a Kyler Murray. What is Kyler's upside? Don't know. But this too often this season, you've seen regression instead of maximizing that upside. So you have to figure that out. What can he learn by watching Nicole McCoy in those two starts? I think he was a little more decisive, Kyler was, in this last game against the Chargers a little bit. Obviously, the pre-snap, being able to read and react, go through his progressions and his reads. These are all areas that he needs to grow. And then when you ask Cliff Kingsbury, and I did this week on his TV show, what do you think he picked up in those two games? The first thing that the head coach cited was off the field. The work, being the first one in, the last one out, being in the meeting rooms, being that leader, being part of the game planning. These are all things that Colt McCoy excels in that hopefully Kyler has grown in those aspects of his job as well. The other exciting part of this offense, or at least hopefully we see over these next five games, Kyle, is once again, Hollywood Brown, DeAndre Hopkins on the field together. We had to wait until after Thanksgiving to see it the first time, but now we'll get five additional chances here before the end of the regular season yeah really other than the development of Kyle the continued improvement him um, you know really stepping into that franchise quarterback role and his leadership this is what we've all been waiting to see you know with the with two number one receivers on the field with two dynamic weapons and um, you know at times last week you could see that how special this offense can look and particularly early in the game uh, spreading the ball around James Conner looking like vintage James Conner running the ball hard and then you've got these two receivers um, it, you know it it looks special but you know again 
with this team, particularly with this offense, there's just a level of inconsistency, not throughout the season, but even throughout games, you know, where early in games you'll target D-Hop heavily and it seems to work. It seems like he's making every catch. He's getting every target thrown to him. He's making a play. Um, you know, when it was just Hollywood Brown and D-Hop wasn't around, same thing. He's your guy. He's reliable. Throw him the ball. He's either going to catch it or he's going to break it up. And then in critical moments, you know, that disappeared. That's what makes this team special. Look, it's it's Kyler Murray. It's these two receivers taking nothing away from James Conner. I mean, he he that was the best he's run in a long time. Um, you know, the offensive line did a fantastic job last week, both in the run game and the pass protection. But what can separate this team, what can make this offense special, what can get us back to these 400-yard games is target them, not just when early in the game, not just when you're behind, but even when you have a lead late in the game. That threat always needs to be there because it, we, this team has shown, and these players and those two receivers have shown in the past, their ability to make special plays and to break other teams' backs when they need to. Those two talking about D-Hop and Hollywood targeted a combined 14 times against the Chargers but only once in the fourth quarter in that 25-24 loss here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury you can see that you know it can cause uh, some problems for the defense and, and then Zach Ertz you know he's he's a big part of work in the middle he's a guy who is is kind of the fail safe for this offense um, that that's one that with those two guys and the speed they play with around him, I think, you know, could have been a real weapon. But watching Hollywood run and take the top off things and then DeAndre doing some of the underneath stuff, uh, it can be a good a good weapon for us moving forward, there's no doubt. But no Zach Ertz. He's out for the rest of the season. So the next offensive player is Trey McBride, your second-round draft pick, your highest pick of this past draft. He needs to step up. Yeah. I mean, over these last five games, if there's one guy that can really deliver one young guy – it's obviously a Trey McBride. It's a my Jay Sanders. You know, you're going against a team, the New England Patriots. Matt Judon has 13 sacks this year. He's number two in the NFL. We just saw Nick Bosa get to 14 and a half, and he's been banged up and missed some games. You look at the Cardinals' edge rush, and the leader is my Jay Sanders with two sacks. So if there are a couple of guys who can really come through over those last five games, if it's me, I'm giving those two young guys every single snap you possibly can. What do you have right there? It's going to dictate what you need to do in the offseason. And as far as D-Hop goes, you hear what Belichick said about D-Hop this week getting ready. He called him, and it's a long quote, I'll just go with this, he's every bit as good as anybody I've ever coached against when it comes to a receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. That's coming from Bill Belichick. And that's quite something in terms of a scouting report. Called Hop's ball skills elite. So the talk already from the head coach of the New England Patriots. We'll find out what more Coach Belichick has to say. The Cardinals and Patriots coming up on Monday night. 6.15 is the kickoff. 2.30 pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. So the offense, yes, what we want to see. What about the defense? Paul just brought up the two young edge rushers. Anyone else on that defense down the stretch here that needs to show up, show out, and put something on film going in to what is going to be an interesting offseason here in 2023? The Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandebosch. We do it every Tuesday at 11 a.m. right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
Shotgun snap, Herbert straight drop back pressure coming and Herbert is sacked at the 40-yard line. J.J. Watt. Herbert back to throw on third down, in trouble, steps up, sacked again at the 44-yard line. This time it's Cam Thomas. Back to throw goes Herbert on first down from his 39, steps up, sacked Zach Allen at the 35. Zach Allen with a big play. He's in the backfield a lot today. It's a four-yard setback. Back to throw in trouble. Pressure in his face. Simmons has him and sacks him. Back at the 47-yard line. Oh, baby. Zero coverage. It looked like they brought everybody. That was one of the many bright spots despite the loss to the Chargers 25-24. The ability to get after Justin Herbert. We haven't seen that a lot this season, especially out of the edger, head rushers, but the Cardinals did bring down Herbert four times. Thought that last one, Paul by Isaiah Simmons, might have been oh, a dagger, but it was ball not. Ball game, you thought. And no, we have not let that go. No, that was, honestly, all you needed were a couple first downs by the offense. Obviously, didn't happen over those last four possessions. But yeah, on that play right there, Isaiah Simmons, you you really thought that was the end of the game. By the way, Cam Thomas, something we hadn't seen before, was the sack dance. The whole surfing thing, let's, you know, Beach Boys surfing. He is from Carlsbad. I did ask him it was his salute to surfing as a guy out there on the San Diego coast. So, KVB, you probably have a summer house out there, you know. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you guys run into each other during the summers uh, here in the AZ. I'm not really sure. You're from Cal. Are you a surfer, Paul? NorCal. NorCal. I'm the world's worst surfer. Yeah, uh-huh. but you go to Santa Cruz a lot. I actually ended up in concussion protocol once, <laughs> surfing. Well, that'll be another story for another yeah. time. Do you swim with a t-shirt on? <laughs> no, it's NorCal, <laughs> so it's very cold, so I do have a wetsuit on, okay. especially right. with my thin Arizona blood. No chance I get in there without a wetsuit. Okay. Kyle, what have you seen specifically out of the two young edge rushers, Cameron Thomas, my Jay Sanders, they each have two sacks, and I'm in agreement with Paul that they do need to see the field more if they're ready and capable, that they're not hurting the team when they're on the football field. But I want to see something out of this, really, the entire edge rush. No, you're right. But with this, uh, talking about the two young players, um, look, my Jay Sanders, um, early in the season, I thought he'd be more of a, a pure edge rusher just just let him bend the corner just let him use his speed but he's shown so much I mean he's gotten sacks by power rushing offensive tackles that you know weigh 125 pounds more than him um he's he's very instinctual I mean he's he's chased down screen plays he's reading blocks the right way um you know he to me I I see him develop into a complete player, a more complete player each and every week. Um, Cam Thomas is a different type of rusher, has the ability um, to line up on the edge. Um, you know, he's got long arms. He uses them well, uh, uses his leverage well, is, an, is another smart player. But you can see him a, a lot like, you know, he's not as big as a J.J. Watt, but he can rush just about any position across the line. He can line up at a three technique and rush a guard. He can rush on an offensive tackle. He can rush outside of a tight end. So um, he's got a lot of tools as well and, and you know, used the right way, which I think Vance Joseph is doing a fantastic job of putting them both and utilizing their abilities. Um, they can both become impact players. They've both become really good role players at this point. But to your point, I think um, it's just going to take more time on the field, more experience, and, and just to see more offenses and play against more different types of offensive tackles. Um, but they've both, you know, we were at a point 
about midway through the season where we were lamenting the fact that neither one of them were getting much playing time, if any at all, and were game day inactives, and here they are. Um, you know, They're showing up as much as anybody is right now with these splash plays on defense. And that New England offensive line is banged up. They went into that Buffalo game minus their two starting tackles, and you saw what Buffalo was able to do, and there were actually four holding calls against New England's offensive line. So let her rip. Let those young guys get out there. Let's see what they have, see if they can get some confidence and some stats going against a banged-up New England offensive line. Is it a concern, and this is for both of you, but to, to you, Kyle, is it a concern when you look at the sack leaders for this Cardinals team, and it's J.J. Watt at 6.5, Zach Allen at 4.5. Yeah, good for them. But those are defensive linemen, and the edge rushers aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Look, edge rushers are supposed to be your closers. Um, to answer your question, yes, it is a concern. You get a game like last week where um, you have a lead, and the the Chargers were having no success on the ground. So you have that closer. You have the dude that can come in and put the quarterback down and, and at least get him off the spot, at least get I – mean, I mean, look – uh, the stats show, uh, you know, four sacks, I think 13 quarterback hits, that they did a fantastic job with their pass rush. But sometimes a quarterback hit, sometimes a pressure isn't enough. Sometimes you've got to, on that critical third down, have the guy. I mean, I, just thinking that, looking back at, uh, at the Super Bowl, when when it, when um, Sean McVay predicted that Aaron Donald was going to seal the game, you need, look, we don't have Aaron Donald on this roster, but you need a guy that can be like, this is his moment. You know, this is the guy that's going to step up and make the play. And, you know, it just hasn't been there. It hasn't been there consistently. There's been games where, you know, we have two or three quarterback hits throughout the course of an entire game, and that's just not good enough. But it's, it's the games like we saw last week where, you know, in, in an NFL season where there's more games decided – um, you know, by one score or less, you need that closer. You need the guy that puts his hand in the dirt and wills himself to make the big play that wins the game for your team. And we just didn't have it late in the game. I mean, it's safe to say you're gonna if you're gonna have a top ten pick in this coming draft, that edge rusher is gonna be priority number one. I'd say one B would be offensive line, probably center. Those are two areas you're looking at. You know, there are some unconventional things about this Cardinals defense that is good in some areas, very poor in others. They're dead last in red zone this year. The Cardinals defense, uh, we've seen them struggle on third down. A lot of that, I think, comes into play. You know, quarterbacks have too much time. Obviously, it's five straight games now where the leading tackler has been a defensive back. Now, Isaiah Simmons tied this last week against the Chargers. But look at four of your top five tacklers, Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson. There's your secondary. So is that a good sign if you're Vance Joseph? There's certain things that are just unsound with the Cardinals' defense that, that definitely need work right now. And, and I think it's because, in a lot of ways, if you want to reverse engineer it, they don't necessarily have those edge rushers, so you'll see a Zayvon Collins or Isaiah Simmons come off the edge or being dialed up in certain situations to try and get pressure on the quarterback out of necessity more than anything else. And you're giving that quarterback extra time in the pocket to look and move the ball downfield. It's why the Cardinals right now are second to last as far as scoring defense, almost 27 points a game. Now the one defender we don't have to worry about is Buda Baker. His message to his teammates over the last five games. When it's time to work, we work at work, and we got five more opportunities. Take the best of those opportunities because, you know, this, this league it stands for not for long, and we got five more opportunities to play some good football, and uh, that's the plan that we're going to do. 
When you look at the back end of the defense, and there's a big question mark with Byron Murphy. He's missed now the last three games with that back. Does he come back? Do you just shut him down the rest of the season? But if you do, Kyle, then all of a sudden, all right, now what do you do at the cornerback position? More snaps for Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton. Do we see Trayvon Mullen more? How about Christian Matthew, your late seventh-round draft pick? Because not maybe they maybe haven't earned it, but you're going to need somebody out there covering wide receivers yeah while we're talking about um, assessing some of these young players getting them on the field getting them more experienced to see what we have uh, cornerbacks another position I mean we we are going to have to make some decisions about who we try to retain and, and who we whether we need to upgrade I mean to Paulie's point um, and we, we talked about this off the air Craig um, I'm not sure that our draft needs aren't exactly the same as they were last year going into the draft. I mean, we need an edge rusher. We need offensive line help, and, and potentially we may need a cornerback. Um, you know, with the guys that have been out there, Marco Wilson responded. He stepped up. I think he's played well this year. And Antonio Hamilton, you know, once he came back from his unfortunate um, injury, he's played well. But, you know, I'm not sure. You know, Byron Murphy has shown that he's that lockdown guy. Um you know, I'd like to see him get back out on the field. I, I'm not a fan of, you know, let's shut him down to see what else we have. Look, these are professionals. If you can play, I think we need to play. And and he's a guy that can help this team win games, and he's shown it. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that he gets back out on the field because he was a huge contributor. He was a huge factor early in the season when number one receivers were looking very pedestrian going up against the Arizona Cardinals. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that the bye week has helped. I'm hoping he, he'll be able to play this last stretch of games um, but we do need to find out what we have at corner as well because that may need to be something we need to address either in free agency or in the draft in this offseason what is Byron Murphy's future contract wise yep. is that one reason why he's not done for the season DJ Humphreys was declared out put on IR and said he's finished if Byron Murphy was a big money guy under a long-term contract would he just be done for the year do they need to see more does he want to get out there to bolster his off-season prospects? I'm not exactly sure. Every injury is different. He might be on a totally different timetable than DJ Humphreys. Here's the other name I'll throw out there. Isaiah Simmons, between now and the end of the year. What exactly do you have in Isaiah Simmons? Obviously, you have the flash plays, the ridiculous athleticism, what could have been a game-ending play with that sack that we just cited. Instead, the game ended... By the Chargers going after Isaiah Simmons twice. Austin Eckler on the touchdown, Gerald Everett on the two-point conversion. And both times, if you listen to the experts, his eyes were in the wrong place. So what exactly is his future and where? You know, There was a DeAndre Carter 33-yard touchdown catch and run that was a bust in the Cardinals defense. And on hard knocks, he heard Zayvon Collins yell out Zay, as in Isaiah Simmons. So was that his responsibility? Was that another M.E., mental error, M.A., misalignment? Are are these issues that continue to plague Isaiah Simmons? And and can you get him right over these last five games? Get him to play consistent football, not just the splash plays, not just the highlight reel plays, but get him consistent down to down. And I think the Cardinals, once again, five opportunities. First one is Monday night against the New England Patriots. And then, yeah, Looking ahead to 2023, join the season ticket priority list and select your seats before the general public. Opponents next season, Seahawks, 49ers, and Rams. Yeah, we know about them. Got the Giants, Cowboys, Ravens, and Bengals all visiting State Farm Stadium next season. Go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for more information. 
We've hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. On the other side, the offensive line. Yeah, a big question mark. Not only for the last five games, but going to the offseason as well. We'll touch on that next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Handoff, James Conner running to the left. Got a hole, 25-30, 35-40. Dragged down at the 41. Boy, that's as big of a hole as we've seen open up for the Cardinals this year on the run. James Conner, the lone back. Murray hands it to him. Off the left side. For a crease at the 50, 45-40. And down to the 37 of the Chargers. So 20 more yards on the ground. Well, Asante Samuel Jr. came off the cornerback. And suddenly he realized that he was one-on-one with James Conner on the outside and thought he was going to get his doorbell rung. James Conner went right by him with a nice little juke. A season best, 120 yards rushing for James Conner. Not only a season best, but his best performance wearing an Arizona Cardinals uniform. He looked very, very good. Question is, now is that sustainable? Cardinals overall, 181 yards on the ground against the Chargers. And yes, the Chargers, not very good stopping the run. Different test this week against the Patriots. But I would like to see James Conner run the ball between the tackles a little bit more here over these last five games. Kyle, of course, in order for that to happen, one, got to stay healthy. And two, your offensive line needs to open up those rushing lanes. Right, which which they did against the Chargers. I mean, regardless of what the Chargers' uh, run defense looked like coming into this game, the offensive line did a fantastic job of opening holes. Um, look, James Conner, this was the best I've seen him run this season. This was the hardest he's run. And, and I mean, that's uh, – you know, he's – even at his worst, he's at a 9 out of 10. He was at a 10 out of 10 against the Chargers. I mean, he was running people over, fighting for extra yardage. But oftentimes he was two or three yards downfield before the first defender got to him. And that's a tremendous credit um, to this offensive line, to the players, how they responded after getting physically beat really on both sides of the line against the 49ers. They stepped up and they physically dominated both sides of the line against the Chargers. Um, Again, a tremendous credit to the offensive line. I'm not sure that Steve Hyden shouldn't get a lot of credit for that as well, having stepped in, dealing with a lot of adversity, working with a group of players, different terminology as we saw in Hard Knocks, and earning the trust of his guys and getting them to play that type of football. I mean, late in the season, when you're beat up, when your team is um, not living up to expectations, when you've been disappointed more times than you've been happy walking out of games, sometimes it's hard to get up for games. And this offensive line, this offense, James Conner, even the receivers, everybody did a fantastic job of blocking and creating holes. And when you can do that, it opens up so many things for your offense. When you can establish that ground game and you have the type of success they had on first down, this offense can really get going. Dare I say that James Conner and that rushing attack looked like the first half of last year when you went to the LA Rams and ran for over 200 yards as a team when you went into Cleveland in some bad weather and just jack stomped the Browns at, at their own game it, that's what it looked like at halftime we were talking about man we haven't seen a Cardinals running back get to the second level that easily or that frequently in a long time so whatever the Cardinals offensive line did to come off the ball whatever was different with the run game itself with a new run game coordinator and I asked more than one offensive lineman is this a different run scheme 
And a couple of guys sort of gave me a look like, I'm not telling you, but a couple other guys also said, you know what, you can't put any a new run scheme at this point in the season. But were there different run plays? Were they run with a different attitude? Uh, a couple people said that the coaches got on James Conner a little bit after the Mexico City Monday night game, said, you know, what are you doing stepping out of bounds? Go ahead, feed it to someone. Who wants them? And I think you saw the Chargers, especially the second and third levels of that defense, by the time you got to the second half, guys were like, okay, yeah, I'm not all that willing to get in there on that truck that is James Conner. Now, the Patriots' 11th best defense against the run. So, yeah, different challenge this week. We do know that that offensive line will not be getting D.J. Humphreys back the rest of the season. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury explains. Just wasn't progressing like we thought. Um, we were hopeful for a while that maybe it was something he could come back the last few weeks and play, but at this point, that won't be possible. A back injury is going to sideline Humphreys for the rest of the season. Rodney Hudson, Will Hernandez both remain on IR. Both need to miss at least one more game. That is this week against the Patriots, and then potentially one or both. I'm leaning more towards Will returning more so than Rodney. Yep. But with the absence of a DJ Humphreys, Paul, you're looking at what we've seen Josh Jones at left tackle the last three weeks. And the eye test shows he's performed very well. Just the fact we haven't called his name a whole bunch. He definitely hasn't been a liability. I think he's been a plus. He's been a strength. I think there's also no question he's more comfortable and effective on the left side. Now, he's not a guard. He proved that last year. Is he a future right tackle? Calvin Beecham at 33 years of age, among those whose future is in question next year. Can you take a Josh Jones to the right side? He's fared well on the left side. I don't know. These are questions you're going to need an answer to. And then that interior offensive line, I think what you've seen also is, for example, a Billy Price has settled down a little bit. You know, talking to some of those guys in the interior line, when they came out there about a month ago and they made their debut and they're new to the system, they're new playing with each other, there were literally instances where they're stepping on each other's feet. Okay, so now they're behind the play the moment the play snaps. And so that, that was a problem. They're getting in gear and getting in sync a, a little bit more, and you're seeing that. But can you get an answer to a guy like Cody Ford? You know, it, does he have a future? He's a young guy. Is he, you know, with some with some upside and a high pedigree in terms of the draft? So there are questions uh, up and down that offensive line as well. Cody Ford turns 26 at the end of this month. This is his fourth season. Is there a fifth season with the Arizona Cardinals? Perhaps. Again, a big question. Josh Jones, three years into a four-year rookie contract, where's his best position along that offensive line right now at left tackle? Head coach Cliff Kingsbury likes what he's seen so far. I think he's held his own. He's been waiting for an opportunity. Uh, I know at times he's been frustrated because we have had Beach and, and DJ playing at a high level, but he stepped in and um, you know played well. So that's encouraging for us moving forward. And being able to play right, left, uh, be that swing guy, I think is, is a huge bonus for us. You also have the young draft pick, Colin Lasita smith on that interior. Is he a center? Is he a guard? They've been practicing him, at least in training camp, to be a center. That regular season begins, and then you're seeing him at the guard spot but eight different offensive line combinations this season. And to me, that plays a major role in why this offense hasn't been as effective is because the movable parts on that O-line 
and everything begins with the offensive line. No, you're exactly right. And and moving guys around, um, it's tough. It affects your offense. It affects the flow of things. Um, y- you know, it's a big reason when this offense was really going, particularly early last season. They would change up the tempo. They would go no huddle, and they would wouldn't allow defenses to substitute. Um, they haven't been able to do that within the last several weeks, so it's particularly with Billy Price at center with some of these young guys. It's more of a conventional type offense. They they huddle up after each play, talk through things, talk about assignments. Um, they don't have that ability when you have the veteran group, when you have the group that's consistently there together, um, that that knows how each other plays, that knows how to block things with. Without talking through them, um, so they've lost a little bit of that. I mean, that's that's that was kind of the trademark of this offense was they their ability to move the ball quickly up and down the field because they weren't huddling and, and defenses were gassed and defenses weren't able to match personnel and bring different defensive linemen in to rush. So um, it, you know, but to me, I, I I'm encouraged like we like uh, Paulie talked about. I think it, you know you most teams lose their Pro Bowl left tackle. They're going to be in a lot of trouble. Their quarterback is going to be under duress for most of the game. Um, you know, like you talked about, we haven't talked about Josh Jones. He hasn't been a liability. He's gone out there and done a solid job, and particularly against uh, you know good pass rushers. And um, talking about uh, Lasita Smith, you know, his first real action, his first start is against uh, Aaron Donald. And did Aaron Donald do anything that game? No. I mean, he was completely neutralized, and he is. You know, possibly the best defensive lineman ever to put a helmet on. So, um, the, you know, there's there's uh, some encouraging signs about this offensive line going forward with the way some of these young guys have played. And now you get Matt Judon, right? Matthew Judon is 13 sacks. You're going to get a pretty good read on Josh Jones in this game. I mean, that dude is a powerful guy off the edge. Josh Uche, he's long and athletic. He has seven sacks. He's in the top 25 in the league in that category. And then they have a defensive lineman, Dietrich Wise, with six and a half sacks. So that front four for the New England Patriots is stout. Might be the strength of their team. So you can get a pretty good read out of the Cardinals' offensive line fares, and you'll get some grades on these guys. 39 sacks for the Patriots, number one in the AFC, third most in the National Football League. That is what is next for the Cardinals. We'll touch on the Patriots when they come to town. It is Monday Night Football, Week 14. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. and goal on the two. Cardinals looking to tie the game. Snap to Palmer, going to throw. Lobs it left side of the end zone for Fitz. He's on the ground, and he still caught it. The century mark for Larry Fitzgerald. Career touchdown number 100, and the Cardinals tie the game at 20. You line him up at the slot and throw the fade. Larry touches the ball as he's going down and somehow pinned it to his helmet. What a catch by Larry. Should we expect anything else? A historic moment and a ridiculous catch for the future Hall of Famer. Flashback to 2016, the last time the New England Patriots had a regular season visit to Arizona. Of course, we know the results of that game. That was 23-21. Cardinals lose. That was week one, correct, Paul? When yes. No Tom Brady, no oh. Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. 
coming off an NFC Championship game appearance the year before. So many expectations, and then it kind of went all downhill after that. Jimmy G engineers the W. He was Jimmy W. But really, the fateful play was Brandon Williams, the third-round rookie corner, and there was a blown assignment, and there was a big touchdown uh, on the missed assignment, and that was costly. And you know what? B.A. cited that the rest of that season, that week one loss. Now, I didn't really buy that. You still had 15 games to play. But in addition to that, Larry Fitzgerald, I mean, just to let you know, Larry, in case you're listening, I have a 12-minute career documentary, a retrospective that we spent a lot of time working on that is yet to be released because you've yet to use the retirement word. At any point, big guy, you can use the R word, retirement, and then we can officially release it to go ahead and honor your legacy. Don't hold your breath. It's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Dang it. What will happen, though, is on Monday night, Cardinals and Patriots, 6.15 is the kickoff. 2.30 pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And you look at this Patriots team, Kyle, 6-6, and yet the head coach, Bill Belichick, who's had extra time to prepare for this game, and yeah, the offense is not very good. They're in the bottom third in a lot of statistical categories. The defense, though, very strong. And you give Belichick any length of time to prepare, he's going to take away what the Cardinals do best. And my guess is that would be DeAndre Hopkins, who Coach praised earlier this week. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's it's what he does. Um, saying that, though, uh, the Patriots have struggled against number one receivers this year. And, and again, I believe we've got two of them, and I think most people would agree with me. So, um, it, you know, we've got to do what makes this team special. Again, take advantage of, of our elite talent, which is at the quarterback position and, and our two wide receivers. So I'm hoping we continue to target uh, both DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown throughout the course of the game. You know, uh, Last week we were sitting here, and you know one of the concern, my concerns with the Cardinals is it's not just their inconsistency; it's their situational football. You know, when you have a lead late in a game, or when you're trailing by two scores late in a game, it seems like they make these critical mistakes. Well, um, you know, when you're playing a Bill Belichick team, who who is known and and it's what he does, they are the best at situational football. So what I want to see the Cardinals do against the Patriots is execute. Is execute a two-minute drill at the end of a half. Is execute a four-minute drill if you have a lead at the end of a game. Is, is, you know, beat him at his own game. Show that you're a competent offense that executes and does the right things at the right times and can execute these plays. If you go for it on fourth down, you know, if you can out-scheme him. To me, that's the next step we need to take with this offense and, and, you know, with the play calling. You can beat the Patriots. They're 6-6, and but don't count on the Patriots beating themselves. It's just not the way it works. That's 2020, the really the loss to me that was the most heinous in that slide and missing the playoffs for the Cardinals wasn't necessarily Week 16 against the Niners and losing to C.J. Beathard or even Week 17 against John Wolford. It was losing to Cam Newton at New England late in that season. His passer rating in that game was 20-something. He was atrocious, and still the Patriots found a way to win. They had a big play on special teams. They didn't beat themselves. They were good in the situational football that, that Kyle cites, so... Look, they've also had an issue against running quarterbacks. Josh Allen has owned the Patriots, and a big reason why is he's able to get out of the pocket and make them pay with his legs, Josh Allen. Totally different style of runner than a Kyler Murray. I get it. But that Buffalo offense went 23 straight drives over more than two recent games against the Patriots without punting. They had success. 
So we'll see if the Cardinals can maybe glean a little bit from that Buffalo approach and be effective against New England's D. By the way, prior to kickoff or prior to the game on Monday, make sure if you're headed to State Farm Stadium, support this year's toy drive presented by Desert Financial Credit Union. Against the Patriots on Monday Night Football, bring a new unwrapped toy to the game. Drop it off at a collection point outside the stadium. Toy Drive benefits Arizona helpful hands. Again, Cardinals and Patriots, 6-15 is the kickoff. And a lot of noise coming out of New England, Kyle, about that Patriots offense. Bill Belichick said, quote, it's too hard to make any dramatic changes to an offense that, again, near the bottom in first downs, third down efficiency, red zone, and goal to go. Mac Jones has not thrown for better than 250 yards in any of the last five games since his return from a high ankle injury. So this is certainly a winnable game on paper, but we know the game is not played on paper. Right. Mac Jones is a quarterback that appears to have regressed, but I don't believe it's on Mac Jones. A lot of the criticism coming out of New England is the play sequencing with, you know, through the preseason, nobody really knew who the offensive coordinator was. They were rotating based upon quarterbacks that were in the game. Um, But, you know, Matt Patricia has um, it's there's not a lot of excitement to their offense. It's a lot of um, basic plays and um, you know, I, I think defenses have kind of caught on to Matt Patricia, how he's calling games, the sequencing of his plays. You know, a lot of times it's it's a first down run, second down pass, and and then you you do what you got to do on third. And and the offense, um, you know, we we lament at consistency with our offense. Well, their offense is you know even worse with um, you know three and outs, and then putting a drive together, and then three and out, three and out. So. Um, you know, we have an opportunity, and, and as Paulie alluded to, it's an offensive line that has been shuffled a lot and is struggling at this point. Yeah, their offensive coordinator is a defensive coordinator, yeah. Matt Patricia. And the last we saw Mac Jones, he was yelling at Matt Patricia on the sideline. The cameras caught him saying, throw the bleeping ball, the bleeping running game sucks. So we'll see what the Patriots have done with 11 days to get ready. Well, Cardinals have had more than 11 days. They've had two weeks to prepare. What happens on Monday night? We'll find out, and then we'll talk about it here in one week's time. Special thanks behind the scenes, Jim Omohundro, Zach Larson for Paul Calvisi, Cobb Endebosch. I'm Craig Riolu. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.